Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kyle. We got Kramer on the other side of the glass. Thank you all so very much for making us part of your morning here on a Saturday. Man, I'm excited. It's it is officially the start of Chiefs preseason. Like that feels pretty good, man. Patrick Mahomes is going to be playing real live football on our televisions tonight. Are you going to go to the game tonight? I'm not. I'm not. I am going to be meeting my girlfriend in Columbia, but we will be watching the game in Columbia. Are you going to the game tonight? I tried, but I couldn't. You couldn't? What does that mean? Well, because I have stuff tonight. I got, I got stuff to do tonight. I'm going to be watching it on my phone. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I mean, I got a cell phone. It's, what, it's 2019. We can do this stuff. <laughs> I tried, but I couldn't. I'm trying like, to understand what that means. I, I, of course, I'd be with my woman tonight. Uh-huh. And so I'm going to yeah. watch it on my uh, phone, watch another game on the other. Uh-huh. Okay. Not on another phone. but I like, tried, but I couldn't. Now you're blaming it's, it's, your girlfriend. It's a preseason game. I'll see you week okay. one. Okay. Now I see what it is. You tried, but you didn't try that hard. You thought about maybe going to the game, but then you're like, ah, it's preseason. Ah, the girlfriend wants to hang out. Now I'm good. Yep. I'm good. But I'll still watch the game. That's fair. That's fair. I'm going to be watching as well. It's going to be exciting, man. I I just legitimately want to see Patrick Mahomes play football again. Like, it really does boil down to that simple. Patrick Mahomes is really good at football. He looks even better out at Chiefs training camp. And the other guy that I'm really excited to see, I got to be honest with you, man. Given the offseason, and listen, I understand there are some of you that don't ever want to see this dude play football again. I get that. I understand. I'm not trying to make a statement about anything. Tyreek Hill's really fun to watch. Like, he's just really fun to watch play football. He is so unbelievably fast. And I mentioned this in my interview with Kevin Clark. He looks like the best receiver in football right now. Like, out at Chiefs training camp, nobody can cover him. And some of that very well may be as simple as, like, the Chiefs corner stink, but nobody can cover him out at Chiefs training camp right now. All right. That being said, there is somebody else that I'm actually legitimately excited to watch. And that player is Darwin Thompson. He is a rookie running back for the Chiefs. He was selected late on day three, but I think he's got a chance to surprise some people. There are some things that he needs to work on, specifically his pass protection, but he seems to know that. Here's my one-on-one with Darwin Thompson from Chiefs training camp earlier this week. Talking with Chiefs rookie running back Darwin Thompson. Darwin, you've been out here for almost two weeks now. What's training camp been like for you so far? It's been a transition. I mean, to becoming a professional, it's a lot different from rookie minicamp to OTAs. But now we live. We in pads. And uh, you got to get accustomed to the speed of the game and just the tempo and how people play so physical. I mean, you playing for uh, your family, your bank account. I mean, it's a real-life job from 7 to 10 at night. I mean, it's an everyday thing. You got to bring it every day. You mentioned the speed of the game, the physicality. What's been the biggest transition for you thus far? The verbiage, the terminology used, uh, really just the playbook. Because I'm since junior college and everything, I've been uh, with uh, the, the the RPO offense, the signals from the sideline. Not a lot of verbiage being used. So now I got to pay attention to each word and each play call. And that's really the biggest transition I've had to make. Talking with Chiefs rookie running back Darwin Thompson. You guys have a very talented running back room right now. How do you feel like the competition has been so far from you guys? Uh, We push each other every day. I mean, everybody brings something different within their game, from Damian Williams, Carlos Hyde, to uh, Duro Williams, Samit, to Marcus Marshall, Josh Cowell. We all bring something different to the table. And it's almost like we want to perfect our crafts in a way that we might not be so perfect in. So, I mean, I'm 5'8", 200, 195. Uh, Pass blocking 
has not always been my my plus of the game. So right. that's something I definitely focus on more and more every day. That's something Andy always preaches is the pass blocking from the running backs. How, where do you feel like you are on that now compared to maybe where you were whenever you first got to Kansas City? Oh, coming out of college, that just wasn't my thing for real. Like, I mean, I never gave up a quarterback sack, but I definitely didn't like the pass block. But that's something here that we do. We do one-on-one pass mm-hmm. blocking. I mean, there's probably a video out there. I got blew up one day. Like, I got blew up bad, and I like, I never let that happen again. So I just run up there and throw my pass. I mean, I, I, I live ways for a reason, so I run up there and throw everything I got, every 195 I got. Well, is this the first time that you've done those kinds of drills with the pass blocking? Did you do that much in college? We did it a little bit, but now it's from depth. So they have a running start to really run you over. So um, you just got to come up there and be firm. and it's a man's game. So uh, I just got to prepare like that. What do you feel like going into this season your role can be within that backfield? I mean, obviously they've said Damian Williams looks like he's going to be the starter, but where do you think you can fit into this backfield? Just the best way I can, wherever they need me, whatever they want me to do is at the third down roll, catching out the back, whatever that might be, the screen game, whatever it might be. I feel like that's up to them, and I just got to prove myself within that role, whichever role they put me in. Uh, but whatever, wherever I can play on the field, that's great. You've talked a lot about your story and how you hope it can kind of be an example for other people. For the people who maybe don't know your story yet, can you tell them a little bit about where you come from and how you got to where you are today? Tulsa, Oklahoma. I'm 5'8", 195. I'm not supposed to be in the NFL. Uh, I went the JUCO route. I didn't do it the right way the first time. And it wasn't that I did or took the wrong road. I took the long road. And so, I mean, I just I appreciate a lot of kids. Get your grades, man. I mean, when you get to this level, you're going to still need to be some type of smart because that playbook is a textbook. You feel me? So, I mean, get your grades. Make sure you go to school, study, uh, and, and, and create them study habits because once you get to this level, them study habits are what's needed. I mean, I go to bed maybe 12 o'clock every night because I got to study my playbook for the next day, the next install, and just be ready for that practice. And so, um, yeah, my story, man, it's just I was doubted. That's it. I mean, I'm still doubted. So I, I got to prove myself every day. And I think that's what's so great about the game of football is that you got to prove yourself every day, especially in the NFL. That's just the nature of it is you got to bring it every day. Everybody's a professional. It's full speed every day. If you don't bring it, you're going to be embarrassed. Talking to Chiefs rookie running back Darwin Thompson, just a couple questions left for you, man. Um, what has it been like to be a part of this Andy Reid offense? I mean, he's obviously one of the best offensive minds of the 21st century. What's it been like for you to be in that kind of an offense? He stretches you to be a great running back. You got to line up as a receiver. You got to pass block. You got to be able to run inside zone, outside no. zone, the power gap schemes. He stretches you to be a great running back. And uh, that, that's definitely something that I've always wanted to do. I mean, I just wanted to be a, a athlete on the foot, an all-purpose back is what I like to call it. And, and that's what Andy Reid stretches you to do. Last question for you. Um, with Patrick Mahomes, I'm sure you've been asked plenty of times at this point what it's like to play with him, but has there been anything that surprised you even from playing with him compared to what it looks like on Sundays whenever you're watching on TV? Man, I think today he threw like an 80-yard ball to Miko Hartman. And I was like, man, that was with ease. And everybody just like... I can say this, damn, <laughs> like, they, like, damn, <laughs> he just really threw it like that, but yeah, that's probably, the, he, just, he just do it with so finesse, like, it just ease, uh, that's that's probably the, really the first thing I peeped, is like, man, he do this with ease, just launching. So that was my conversation with Chiefs rookie running back Darwin Thompson earlier this week out at Chiefs camp. I gotta be honest with you, man. He has shown me more than any other running back not named Damian Williams when it comes to what he's done on the field. 
he looks really explosive. He looks really good in the passing game, but he mentioned it. He's getting blown up in pass protection. And when your quarterback is Patrick Mahomes, you just can't have that. Like you can't have that guy coming in on third downs. If your quarterback's Patrick Mahomes and he's potentially going to get blown up by a linebacker who's coming in on a blitz and that gets your quarterback killed. It just can't happen. So if he's able to get that fixed, and if you remember, Jamal Charles was terrible at pass protection when he first got to the NFL as well. It takes some time for some of these guys because they've never been asked to do it. So if he's able to do a little better in that regard, I think he's a guy that could potentially come in and really have a bigger impact than people are anticipating. Carlos Hyde looks old and slow. Daryl Williams is fine. Daryl Williams is a perfectly fine back that I think is good to have on your roster, but is never going to have that high upside. And I love Damian Williams. I think Damian Williams can play. I think he's talented. I think he's the clear-cut number one guy. But I think if something were to happen to Damian Williams this year, the guy that has the highest ceiling for them is without question Darwin Thompson. He's got the ability. It's just about putting it together. Now, earlier this week, there was a quote from Andy Reid about the running back situation that took me a little bit off guard. Here's what he had to say on Sirius XM. I did a little bit of that when I was in Philadelphia, kind of running back by committee deal, and we had some success with it. Um, we'll do that here. We ended up drafting a kid there also, and, and then the other Williams isn't bad either. So we got a couple Williamses and then Carlos, and then we've, we've got a, a new little guy in there that, that runs around. So we've got a good nucleus of players. I think we're going to be good at that spot. And they all have their strengths, and we'll try to exploit their strengths there. All right, so Andy Reid says that the Chiefs are going running back by committee this year. I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it. Because I think it depends on what you would define as a running back by committee. Here's where the Chiefs running backs have ranked among all all player or among all players in the NFL in offensive touches, offensive touches, so catches plus rushing attempts over the last six years since Andy Reid's been in Kansas City. Kareem Hunt was 21st. Kareem Hunt was fifth. Spencer Ware in 2016 was 16th. Turkandrick West led the Chiefs running backs in touches one year in 2015. That should show you everything you need to know about how much of a wizard Andy Reid is. He was 30th in the league when he led the Chiefs in touches. Jamal Charles one year was 16th and the other year was fourth. Every year, the Chiefs running backs are at least, at the very least, basically, in the top 25 in touches in terms of what the lead running back did that year. I expect that this year, Damian Williams will be the number one running back on this team. And he's probably going to get around 200-ish touches. That's what Kareem Hunt had last year in, what was it, 11 games? I think that's roughly what we're going to see from Damian Williams this year. Cherkandrick West, when he was the lead back, had 180. Spencer Ware, when he was the lead back, had 250. So somewhere in between the 180 and 250 of Cherkandrick West and Spencer Ware, I think that's what you're going to see from Damian Williams this year. So let's say it is around 200 touches, and it's about 160 rushes, 40 catches. That's how you break it up. Would you be disappointed as a Chiefs fan if your number one running back had... 800 yards rushing and 400 yards receiving 1200 yards from scrimmage. No. And that is not a running back by committee. It is technically a running back by committee because the group as a whole will probably have somewhere closer to 350 touches. 
but it is not a running back by committee in the traditional sense of the word. You're not going to see three running backs getting the same amount of touches in Kansas City. That's not happening. That's not what Andy Reid does. That's not what he's ever done. It's not what he's going to do this year. You're going to see Damian Williams as the lead back. You're probably going to see a little bit of Daryl Williams. You might see a little bit as the season goes on of Darwin Thompson. And they keep selling me on Carlos Hyde. I'm just not seeing it. I think the main place, if Carlos Hyde makes this team, the place where you're going to see him is on third down when they want his pass protection in there. Because the only place that he's better than any of these other running backs at anything is in pass protection. He's not better than them at anything else. He's not a better runner. He's not faster. He's not more agile. He's not a better game breaker. He's not better in the passing game. He's only better in pass protection. So if Carlos Hyde is getting carries this year, I, in my opinion, it's a mistake. The only thing he does well at this point in his career since I've been out there is in pass protection. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. Kramer is on the other side of the glass. Coming up next, everybody seems to agree on one thing about the 2019 Chiefs. I'll tell you what it is next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. All right, welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kiley. We got Kramer on the other side of the glass. Coming up in 15 minutes, you'll hear my interview with Colin Saunders, the Chiefs rookie defensive tackle. He was really good. He's energetic. I think Chiefs fans are going to love this guy. So we'll get to that coming up here in just about 15 minutes or so. In a moment, we'll get to why everybody knows that this is Andy Reid's best team. But I wanted to get to a couple of things uh, briefly here beforehand. Saw this on Twitter. Shaky vibes on Dante Pettis continue coming out of San Francisco. This report says that there's no number one wide receiver in San Francisco, and it does project Trent Taylor to lead the team in receptions in 2019. Are the 49ers just going to be really bad next year? Like, or this year, rather. The 49ers might not be a good football team. I think we've noticed that for the past three years. Understood. But to be fair, some of that was because Jimmy Garoppolo was hurt. That was just last year, though. Understood. But they also didn't have a quarterback before Jimmy G. True. So, I, like, D. Ford is hurt right now. He's not practicing. They just lost their first-round pick from this year, Nick Bosa. Apparently, he has a high ankle sprain. They lost the cornerback that they signed this offseason, Jason Verrett, to also a high ankle sprain. The 49ers don't have very many good football players. Dante Pettis was supposed to be one of them for them this year. If you're in a fantasy league, he's probably a guy you've been drafting in the middle rounds. If he's like not looking good in camp and your number one receiver this year is former fifth round pick Trent Taylor, who 90% of our audience has never heard of, that's a problem. I It matters for the Chiefs because they have potentially their second round pick. So if they end up being terrible, the Chiefs get a better second round pick next year, which would be fantastic here in Kansas City. I will say this. The 49ers are one of those teams that is perennially hyped and is right around this time every year where we all have that team. We're all off season. We've been like, that team's the one that I think is going to be better this year. And around this time every year, we're like, I don't feel great about that pick anymore. Like the 49ers not feeling great about hyping them. I've been a guy that's been really low on the Rams all off season, right? Been really low on them because I the interior offensive line, I know that's a nerdy thing to say, but here we are. Interior offensive line makes me really concerned. They're a team that has been run because they're uh they've been great offensively because their offensive line has been so good over the last few years, and they've lost three starters over the last two seasons, two of which left this year. There's issues with Todd Gurley. 
I wonder what that defense is going to look like this year. I've been low on the Rams. Did you guys watch the Seahawks defense the other night? (sighs) It ain't good. You think the Chiefs have cornerback problems. I'll tell you who's got some cornerback problems. The Seattle Seahawks. We don't think of them that way. Their defensive backs are awful. I've been hyping them all offseason. I'm ready to pretend like that never happened. I'm ready to jump back on the Rams bandwagon because I don't think anybody else in this NFC West is going to be able to beat them this year. It's not a statement in favor of how much I like the Rams. It's a statement of how much the rest of the division might stink this year. That's my my portion of this. Kramer, do you have anybody that you've been hyping all offseason that you're like, man, I might have been wrong on that one? Not right now, no. You're not there yet? I mean, probably the Ravens. Oh, you were hyping the Ravens. A little bit. Why? I don't think they're going to be doing that great this year, though. That's just me personally. But, but why were you hyping them in the first Because you got their offense. Their offense is going to be good this year. Okay. But I then, then looking at them. Is it, the, is it the two rookie receivers that have yes. you excited about yes. it? Okay. You know rookie receivers are typically terrible. I know. But still, throw, <laughs> give Lamar Jackson a toy. Let's see what happens. I, I like Lamar Jackson. I'm personally high on Lamar Jackson. I think they lost. There was a stat the other day from somebody at Football Outsiders that said they lost more talent than anybody else in all of football this offseason. Like in terms of defensive talent, they lost more than anybody else in all of football. Seems a bit problematic. A bit problematic. I do want to say in the AFC North, based on what's been happening with Antonio Brown the last two days and him potentially retiring from football because he doesn't get to wear his helmet that he wants to wear, I wonder if we might have been a little premature to bury the Steelers. I think the Steelers might be good this year. Like it, I think typically people overstate the addition by subtraction. It might actually be the case in, in Pittsburgh where they actually get a little bit better inside of that locker room because Antonio Brown's not there anymore. I think that's entirely possible. The other thing that I would say, their new linebacker, Devin Bush, is unbelievable. And he made so many plays last night. And I, I think the Steelers might be the favorite for me in the AFC North still over the Cleveland Browns because of the Cleveland Browns offensive line. So a few th- a few teams around football, you're going to see it over the next week or two. People have been hyping some of these teams. They're going to realize very quickly, oh, that's why they were terrible last year. Oh, th- oh, that's why the 49ers were bad. Oh, I love the Buccaneers. Oh, Ronald Jones and and Peyton Barber are their starting running backs? That, that might not work out so Oh, Jameis Winston, he throws a lot of interceptions. That's the kind of thing that you're going to be seeing over the next few weeks. On the flip side, you're going to be seeing a lot about how the Chiefs offense, oh, they're really good. Yeah, Patrick Mahomes, he can play football pretty well. Speaking of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs and how great their offense is, Steve Mariucci was on the drive earlier this week talking about how he knows definitively this is Andy Reid's best football team. How would you answer the question that you asked Coach Reid? Do you think that this is the best team he's ever coached? Yes, I do. And, you know, know, he lost some players on defense, defense that really needed to be better. Um, Lose Justin Houston and Dee Ford and guys like Eric, Eric Berry and you know, you change coaches, and Bob Sutton was a good coach. It just, I don't think he had enough overall talent. But they added some nice pieces over there. Um, <clears throat> Steve Spagnuolo is a heck of a coach, and he'll he'll change up that defense to make it as unpredictable as their offense. And uh, when you add guys like Frank Clark from Seattle, who's really a, an energizer bunny, and Tyron Matthew is as versatile uh, a safety as we have, or corner slash lot, whatever whatever you want to call him. He's a great football player. And then uh, they added another speed, little water bug kind of fast receiver 
Nicole Hardman from Georgia in the second round. Man, I mean, this this team, if it stays healthy, that's always the caveat, right? If it stays healthy now, it's got a chance to win a lot of games. This team is special. Like, there, there are legitimate special vibes coming from this team. I was watching the franchise the other day, and one of the things that they showed was Sammy Watkins, like, working with the other receivers as the leader of the group. I remember when I talked to McCole Hardman at, with my one-on-one with him, he was talking about how Sammy has kind of taken on a leadership role within that room. And sometimes people just say that because they think it's what they're supposed to say. I think it's real with Sammy Watkins. I think he has actually become the leader in the receiver room. And there's some value to that, man. Like, if you're a guy that's making $16 million and you've been hurting your, your, your past, sometimes it just becomes a... I need to get mine. Like, I need to go out there and I need to prove what kind of a player I am. And it feels to me like Sammy Watkins has gone the opposite direction this year. Sammy Watkins has gone into a direction of, I'm going to get mine and I'm going to make sure everybody else in this room gets better. And some of that comes from just a confidence. This was him on the franchise earlier this week talking to Brett Veach about how good he feels right now. Oh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good to go, man. I'm getting better as I go. How about, how about this good news? We got a 10, 10, 10 tomorrow and then a day off. For real? I'm prepared now, man. It don't matter what we do. Sammy legitimately believes he's healthy this year. We'll see. We'll see if it continues. Week seven could come around. The foot comes back up, and all of a sudden, he's back on. He's back missing six weeks again. It's entirely possible. But Sammy seems to believe he's healthy. And when you have a situation like that, and you've got Tyreek Hill coming back with something to prove, and Chris Jones in a situation where he's got to prove it for his next contract, Kendall Fuller is in a contract year. Patrick Mahomes is quietly basically in a contract year. Like, he's going to get his money next offseason no matter what happens, but he could get all of the money if he puts together another big season. And you put you add in guys like McCole Hardman, who just adds a new element to this team, a new defensive line, new leadership on the defensive side of the ball with Frank Clark and Tyron Matthew, who I think have completely taken over that side of the ball. A guy like Anthony Hitchens, who's going to play more freely in this new system that it seems to me like Steve Spagnolo has found a way to simplify what he previously did and make it a a a better system in year one. For these guys, that doesn't mean it's going to be as good in year two or three or four as it has been in previous seasons. But Spags has had a, uh, an issue in the past where year one, he gives these guys too much. They start thinking and then it looks like what it looks like with Bob Sutton where they're not playing fast. I think he's changed that this year. You're going to hear some of that in my conversation with Chiefs third round pick um, uh, Colin Saunders coming up next. We will get to that interview. Colin Saunders, I asked him what the difference has been in this scheme and how much we have seen from Steve Spagnuolo, what he's seen from Steve Spagnuolo from the time when he started implementing the defense in spring training to where he is today. We'll get to my interview with Colin Saunders coming up next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio. Welcome back. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer is on the other side of the glass with us this morning. Coming up here in just about 10 minutes or so, we will get into the players that I'm ready to go all in on if they have a big preseason. So this was just tweeted by Jim Trotter of NFL Network. He says, Antonio Brown may be upset about not being able to wear his older helmet. 
but there is zero chance that he retires because of it. So can we please find another storyline? We have a long season to go. My man, I can t- I appreciate that he's adding a little bit of context to the situation. I appreciate that he is trying to be level-headed about the whole situation. But can we think for a moment about what actually happened yesterday? Antonio Brown, there was a report that came out that Antonio Brown is so attached to his old helmet that he came to Raiders practice wearing his old helmet that he painted to mimic the Raiders helmet. It was his old Steelers helmet. He painted it to mimic the Raiders helmet so that way he could wear that old helmet. That's a dedication right there. That really happened. On an NFL football field with Antonio Brown, one of the best receivers in the history of football. No, we can't move on from this story. Uh Uh-uh. It's been less than 24 hours. We got to get these jokes off. We got to get these comments off. We got to see what this looks like on Hard Knocks next week. If they don't talk about this on Hard Knocks next week, just cancel the franchise. Just cancel. Because if this isn't the entire episode, what are we doing here? You're at Raiders camp to make sure you see things like this. Anything crazy John Gruden does, anything crazy Richie Incognito does, apparently anything crazy Jonathan Abram does, who I find to be one of the most annoying human beings in the world after watching him on last week's episode, this is what you're there for. This is what you are in Napa Valley for, is to find out what the hell is going on with Antonio Brown. And right now, one of the best receivers in NFL history is threatening to retire because he can't wear his helmet that he wants. Yes, we are going to continue to talk about this storyline because it's insanity. Imagine if you were on some kind of sabbatical over the last year and you returned this morning, right? And so you're going on ESPN.com and you click on NFL and the top helmet or the the top storyline right now, the featured story on ESPN.com, this is the headline. Antonio Brown could quit football over his helmet, question mark? Allow us to explain. Imagine reading that and also, by the way, seeing that Antonio Brown now plays for the Raiders, which would have been a shock in and of itself. Like, that's crazy. That is crazy. This is one of the best players ever in the history of football. And he's threatening to retire because his 10-year-old helmet, the NFL is telling him, and the NFL PA, by the way, bargained to not allow this to happen. The NFL PA doesn't want him to wear that helmet because it's a bad helmet. Because they have better helmets now that that prevent concussions better. And he's like, nah, I want to go home. I want to go home if I can't wear my helmet. Come on. This is insanity. So, yeah, we're going to keep talking about this. We are going to continue to discuss this. All right. So, enough with that. Let's get to my conversation with Colin Saunders. He has a rather large helmet. How'd you like that for a transition? It didn't really work well, but we got it nonetheless. So, earlier this week, I had the opportunity to talk to Chiefs third-round pick defensive tackle Colin Saunders about what it's been like for him in training camp so far and what it's like to play under Steve Spagnuolo. I want you to specifically listen to this conversation to what he says when I ask him about the difference between where the defense is today and where it was early in minicamp. I think his answer is really interesting. I want to discuss it on the other side. Here's Colin Saunders talking with him earlier this week at Chiefs camp. Talking with Chiefs rookie defensive tackle Colin Saunders. Colin, you've been out here about a week and a half now. you got your first game coming up on Saturday. How do you feel like you've progressed from where you were when you first got here to where you are today? 
Uh, just technique for sure. I mean, um, you know, you're working with a lot of guys that's played the game for a, a few years and then a, a really good coach. Um, you know, a lot of times I would get away with kind of out-athleting people. Uh, in college, and then I've, I've been learning more and more about the technique that you got to use and how you got to use your hands every day. So um, I, I feel like that's the biggest progression I've made so far. In terms of schematically, have you guys added a lot more here compared to what you had in mini camp and rookie camp and all of those? Oh, uh, actually, no. They they do a really good job in mini camp of um, giving us really like the foundation of the playbook. And then um, everything else is really just according to game plan. Like, you know, we got our base stuff, and then we got our stuff that we add in depending on who we playing. So um, they did a good job. I feel like I learned the whole defense pretty much in rookie minicamp and then uh, translated well when I got here. Has anything surprised you? I know the number one thing people talk about whenever they're a rookie coming into the league is the speed of the game. But is yeah. there anything specifically that stood out to you? Yeah, I mean, I agree. The speed, obviously, you know, that was, that was going to change no matter what. But, um... One thing that stood out to me is just, like, the sense of urgency from the whole team. You know, like, I mean, when you got a coach like Coach Reed, you know, he know what he's doing, and he's been doing it for a long time. So I feel like he kind of um, makes everybody adapt to the kind of mindset that he wants uh, everybody to have. And it's a good mindset, and it's a, it's a good way to attack the work. And um, so I feel like out of everything, um, you know, just everybody's sense of urgency, like nobody's taking plays off. And I, I've noticed that, you know, because I'm out there and, you know, even when we get down to twos and threes, everybody's still playing real hard. Talking with Chiefs defensive tackle Colin Saunders. Colin, one guy who's out here now that wasn't out here when he first got to Kansas City is Chris Jones. What's it been like to see him work? Oh, man, it's amazing. You know, um, he, he's a he's a heck of a player. And uh, obviously, I don't got some of the tools he got as being like height and, you know, arm length, stuff like that. But uh, it's just interesting to see, like, how he uses all the, all of the um, tools he has in order to be an effective pass rusher, be an effective run stopper and all of that. And it's just, you know, like like I said, I don't really have all the tools, but as far as the techniques, uh, technique is universal. And uh, I'm just trying to learn my, learn technique my best from him, you know, Naughty, uh, uh, Justin Hamilton, all of them, all those guys, man, they teach me something new every day. Do you have any personal goals for yourself this year? I mean, I know as a team, everybody will say they want to win the Super Bowl. That's obvious. But for yourself personally, is there any personal goals that you have? Uh, I mean, honestly, I think myself and any other rookie is just to earn some respect. You know, uh, nothing is, is, is given in this league. Everything is earned. So I feel like my first order of business is just showing that I belong here, you know, showing that I'm not going to be a quote-unquote bust, you know. So that's my biggest goal right now, man, is just to get out there whenever whenever I do get my reps in the game and, and just prove that this is what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm supposed to be here from Western Illinois. Coach Daly is somebody that's new here to Kansas City as well. What have been your impressions of him so far and what kind of a coach he is? Uh, Daly, uh, Daly's a real, really um, hands-on coach. Uh, he, he shows you exactly what he wants. Um, you know, I, I, I uh, commend him for the, his ability to get down and be able to do do what he does. And, you know, he'll flip that hat backwards and then uh, put his hands on you and show you, look, this is how we want it done. This is the way you're doing it. And, you know, this is the change needs to be made. So his coaching style is real positive, and I've liked this so far. What's it been like for you as a rookie coming into a team that has the expectations that this team has? I mean, you look out here today, there's a reason why all these people are out here. Yeah. There's Super Bowl expectations for the Chiefs in 2019. What what's that like for you as a rookie to walk into a situation like this? Honestly, um, you know, no no matter what the team is or what they were coming off of, my goal was always to add value. Uh, that's what I've always kind of 
been taught my whole life is just make sure you're a person to add value to a team and not take it away. So my whole, you know, my whole thing is like I just try and come out here and, and do whatever I can do at that moment and do it my best. That way I can add value to the team. And, um, you know, like I, like you said, if I was, regardless if I came here or not, they were going to be a, a great team. So I just try and do my best to make it a little bit of a better team. You know, and that's all, that's all I can try and do. Last question as we're talking to Colin Saunders, Chiefs rookie defensive tackle. You've been in Kansas City a little while now. Have you been able to get to any barbecue spots? <laughs> uh, I went to Q39. That's the only one I've been to so far. And uh, no, it was really good though. It was really good, and they were, you know, they treated me real nice, and uh, I appreciated that. It was my first time kind of experiencing something like that to come in and get seated and all of that stuff. So I, I really enjoyed it, and the food was really, really good. So that was my conversation with Chiefs third-round rookie defensive tackle Colin Saunders earlier this week. I think one thing's really interesting about where the Chiefs are with Steve Spagnolo right now defensively, because I'm looking back right now at what Spags did the first year that he was in whatever system he was in, right? So 2007 in New York, 2009 when he was a head coach in uh, St. Louis, 2012 when he was in New Orleans, and 2015 when he came back to the Giants again as their defensive coordinator. Here's where those teams ranked in points allowed per game. So the first year he was with a new team, 17th, 31st, 31st, 30th. That ain't great, right? That's not what the Chiefs are looking for. Now, the 17th, you'd take that every time, but that was 12 years ago when he was the defensive coordinator for the Giants when he first got a defensive coordinator job in the NFL. There was something that was apparently, based on reports that have come out from any of those teams, a similarity between all of those, and that is that he puts too much on his players too early, and they become confused. They're not playing fast. They're not able to play within the system. It just becomes too much too early. And if you're looking at these teams and you're looking at how do you change that with what you have now in Kansas City, the way you do it is by simplifying things. You take what you had and you say, okay, it didn't work, clearly. 31st, 31st, and 30th, and points allowed per game over the last three times that you were in a new system for the first time. How do I make this work? You simplify it. And I think that's what he's done here in Kansas City. We'll see if this continues. But based on the conversation that I had with Colin Saunders, based on what I've heard from a lot of these guys, a lot of them are saying that this is a simple defense. Anybody you talk to about Steve Spagnuolo's defense, that's the last word that they say. Because it's not simple. It's very complex. There are a lot of different checks that you have to have. The coverages are very complicated. The linebackers' jobs are not as simple as what they are in other systems. The defensive linemen are going to be doing more stunts this year than we saw all of last year, probably in the first game of the season this year. It's not a simple system. But maybe it's going to start becoming more of a simple system. And if it is, that's a sign that Steve Spagnuolo has learned from his previous failures and if he's going to do that here in Kansas City, it's a pretty damn good place to start for this defense. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer is on the other side of the glass. Coming up next, there is one difference in particular about the Chiefs this preseason, and I want to get into the players that I'm ready to go all in on if they have a big preseason. We'll do it all next. It is the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kylie, 610 Sports Radio. Wrapping things up here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Coming up next, we've got uh, Nick Price and Dusty Likens with Out of Bounds. They will take you up until 3 o'clock. We are live and local 
on a Saturday here on 610 Sports Radio. I'm Brandon Kylie. Kramer is on the other side of the glass. The Protein House Eat With a Purpose text line is 69306. So the Chiefs start preseason tonight. And I just want to have a little bit of perspective as to where we are right now with this team, where they were a year ago, and how the hell we got from point A to point B. Because think about what you were thinking about what your perspective was on the Chiefs this time last year. There were questions as to what they had with Patrick Mahomes. As much as any of us loved Patrick Mahomes, there were questions as to what he was going to look like. There were questions about the defense. There were questions about health all over. It was There were a lot of questions as to how good that team was ultimately going to be. I think the Vegas over-under was like eight and a half for the team last year. This year, it's the opposite. I have no questions about the offense. None. I legitimately, like, what is the biggest question facing the offense right now? I I honestly don't know the answer. Like, maybe the running back situation? Who's going to get the most carries? But even then, it's not like we're worried about the fact that they're going to have any production out of the running backs. It's a, who is going to get the production? It's not a, if it's going to be there. It's a, who's going to get it when it happens? I don't think there are any questions on the offensive side of the ball. They have a solid swing tackle. Like They have an okay interior backup offensive lineman in Nick Allegretti. I don't know what you're concerned about this year with the offense. I don't know where it comes. They have one of the deepest receiver positions in the NFL. They have the number one tight end in the league. They have a pretty solid offensive line and the best quarterback in football. Okay, that'll work. That'll work for you. On the defensive side of the ball, there are obviously a number of questions. But the defensive line is deep as hell. They legitimately go 10 deep along the defensive line. The linebacking core, I think, is going to be better than people expect. It's not great, but they've got a lot of guys that have different skill sets, and it seems like this coaching staff knows how to utilize them. And at safety, they go five deep with guys that could legitimately play in this league. Juan Thornhill's going to be a starter. Tyron Matthew looks really good out there. Daniel Sorensen looks really good, actually. And if he's your number three safety, you feel really good about where you're at with this position. The only question this year about the team for me is what their cornerbacks look like. And they just signed a pretty good one in Mo Claiborne the other day. So going into this year's, this year's preseason, it's not a question of, man, is this quarterback going to be good enough? It's not a question of, can this team get to the playoffs? It's not a question of who's going to emerge on that side of the football. It's a question of, can you just stay healthy? Like, can everybody get through these games healthy? Can Sammy Watkins play the entire first quarter tonight and be at the end of the game, being interviewed by the Chiefs television network and tell us how great he feels right now? Can the Chiefs get to the end of the preseason with Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins and Travis Kelsey and Damian Williams and Patrick Mahomes all healthy? If they can do those sorts of things, I really don't have any questions about this team offensively. There aren't any. Last year was completely different. The buzz around this team is just different. I saw a tweet from Gil Brandt the other day about the Chiefs' um, attendance out at Chiefs camp, right? So at training camp this year, the Chiefs have had six different um Six different practices where they had at least 6,000 people out there. That would have been a record in years past. And this year, they've done it six different times. I don't know what else to say 
about how excited you guys are other than that. I've been out at Chiefs training camp on a Wednesday, and there were like 7,000 people there waiting to get Patrick Mahomes' autograph. Like, that's where the anticipation comes in. Tonight, I would not be surprised if they announced an attendance of about sixty to 70,000 people at Arrowhead. Now, there won't be sixty or 70,000 people there, but they count the season tickets, ticket holders. So it is what it is. There's going to be a lot of season ticket holders that added their uh, or were added to the mix this year, and they're going to announce sixty or 70,000 people out there. The anticipation for this year is unlike anything I've ever seen in this town, and there's a reason for it. It's because there's no questions on the offense. You have the rocket ship starting quarterback that was the MVP of the league last year, and the only concern on the team right now is what you have at cornerback. That's how you get to where you are today. And if you think about where we are, ju- where we were just a year ago, man, things have changed quickly in this town. I do want to get quickly to the players that I'm ready to go all in on if they have a big preseason because tonight is the night that it all begins. Let's get to my list of the five players I'm ready to go all in on if they have a big preseason here on the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. Let's start with this one. He's not a guy that I would have had on this list about a couple of weeks ago. McCole Hardman looks really good out at Chiefs training camp. I mean really good. But I did mention the whole cornerback situation for the Chiefs, right? Chiefs corners aren't very good. Correct. McCole Hardman, really fast. Yes. That's a recipe set up for success for him. So I want to see what it looks like when he goes up against a real defense. He's going to be in a game going up against corners who are fighting for their jobs. What does that look like for McCole Hardman? If he's able to put it together the way that he has, has in Chiefs training camp, I think by midseason, he's your number three receiver. He's probably your number five pass catcher, but your number three receiver on the field. And that's a hell of a lot more than I was anticipating from McCole Hardman whenever he was first drafted by the Chiefs in the second round. The number two player I'm ready to go all in on if they have a big preseason is Darwin Thompson. If Darwin Thompson is able to improve his pass protection, he's going to have some moments this year. He's not going to be the number one running back, but he could be a change of pace back the way that uh, Charkandrick West was. But think Charkandrick West with more ability. That's what Darwin Thompson has the potential to be. He is fast as hell. He's shifty. He has the, the word you always used to hear, and these guys are different, but the word you guys you, you used to hear about Kareem Hunt was contact balance. Darwin Thompson has some of that. If he's able to show out in the preseason, he's a guy that I think Chiefs fans are going to get behind very quickly here in town. The next guy I'm ready to get behind, my number three player, Tano Passanio. We've been here in the hype for years now. He's a former second-round pick. He's a guy that came in with much fanfare because he was 6'7 and 290 pounds, and everybody looked at him, and he looked chiseled like a statue. Tano Passanio is finally seemingly putting it together out of Chiefs camp this year. He looks good. He's been rotating in with the ones. This coaching staff appears to know how to use him. He is not lining up at defensive end on every play. There are times when he lines up inside a defensive tackle. He told me that he feels comfortable in there. It's more instinctive. It's something where he can just go after the quarterback and go get him. Tano Passanio, if he's able to put together things in the game the way that he has at camp, he's a guy I'm ready to be all in on for the season. This one might be a bit of a surprise because he hasn't gotten a ton of buzz coming out of Chiefs camp, but I think he deserves more than he's been getting. 
How about Reggie Ragland, the Chiefs' middle linebacker, who I thought coming into the offseason was potentially going to be cut from the team? Not anymore. Reggie Ragland is your starting middle linebacker, and he's looked pretty solid in coverage. Not great, but solid. And if you look solid in coverage, that is something that could potentially change the trajectory of Reggie Ragland's career. He could go from a guy that I thought was going to be cut to a guy that could potentially even get re-signed by the Chiefs at some point over the next couple of years. Reggie Ragland is a guy I'm really interested to see once the lights turn on and they start the preseason. And the last one, maybe the most intriguing one, the guy that I am legitimately ready to go all in on. If this guy gets a pick in preseason, Kansas City's going to go nuts. Juan Thornhill. Juan Thornhill looks really good out there. He's fast. He's long. He's rangy. Juan Thornhill is a guy who, if he plays really well in these first few preseason games, first of all, I think there's no question he's going to overtake Daniel Sorensen as the starting safety for the Kansas City Chiefs. But he's a guy who's going to become a fan favorite. He's a good interview. He's fast. He gets his hands on the ball. He's a guy who could make the life, uh, as much as we've talked about the cornerback situation, a guy like Juan Thornhill can make their lives a hell of a lot easier. Given what they were playing with on the back end last year and what they're going to have this year on the back end, I think Juan Thornhill is going to be among the most important additions that the Chiefs made this offseason. He's going to make the lives of Kendall Fuller and Bashad Breeland and Charvarius Ward and eventually Mo Claiborne a whole hell of a lot easier. The preseason is here, man. It's not the most exciting time in the world. That's when the regular season gets here, and we've got four weeks until then. But, man, football is back. Patrick Mahomes is going to be on our televisions tonight. We're going to watch Simi Watkins get out there playing. Tyreek Hill is actually playing football for the Chiefs this year. I'm legitimately excited. Kramer, I know you're excited. We've got football back on the air tonight. I'm looking forward to it. The guy that I'm most looking forward to seeing is Patrick Mahomes. It's going to be a lot of fun, man. We will be back on Monday. The drive is op- is from 2 to 6. But coming up next, we've got Dusty Likens. We've got Nick Price. We've got Out of Bounds. It is live and local all day right here on 610 Sports Radio for Kramer. I'm Brandon Kiley. It's the leadoff on 610 Sports Radio. The leadoff with Brandon Kiley, 610 Sports Radio.